What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn, we've got to do a new ad, mate. We do. We're long overdue. We're not going to be sponsoring Einzerwiener anymore. Yeah, well, fuck that no guy. Longer. He's fucking not paying us. <laughs> no. We've just figured out. No. We just, he's sitting right here in front of us, <laughs> and we've just figured out he hasn't actually been paying all no this time. No wonder there's no bread and milk on my table in this After house. we were just nice to him. <laughs> we're just, fuck we're him. just flattering him. We were just whining and dining him, <laughs> looking after him like a big fucking client. We'd look after and then we find out he hasn't find been paid out he the hasn't bill. Been paying us. the bed. He's doing it right now, so we, <laughs> we may as well tell people that if they're in Australia and you need dog gear. Don't get it from him. Well, get it from wait, him. Wait until he pays the get bill. Get it from him so that he can pay us. <laughs> What's your stupid website, Jason? E-I-N-Z-W-E-C-K.com. There you go. Nice. Get your stuff from there. Okay. All right, on to the real sponsors. Yes, the people who actually pay the bills. Canine suticles. Yep. The best canine suticles. Premium grade, yep. human quality. Yeah. It's going gangbusters at the moment. Thank you to the community who have been supporting yep. it. It's great shit. Dan Croft. Yes. In Canada. In Canada. Yes. Toronto, Canada, I believe. Yeah. Yes. What were we pushing for him? It's puppy class. Puppy class. Yeah. Amazing puppy classes in a great facility. Barbara DeGroote. From the heart dog training. Barbara just loves us and we she love Barbara. She just loves us. Barbara is our sugar mama. Yeah. <laughs> that literally is the thing's called, right? Yeah. The tear that she called. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the sugar mama tear. Thank you, Barbara. We Thank appreciate you. Thank you, Barbara. We love you. Horny George Kittredge. Yes. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Yeah. The yeah. box is incredible. I saw it for the – did we talk about this? Have we done an we ad We have. Since? We yeah. have talked about how amazing the boxes is. You and I travelled from – where did he pick us up? What airport that was, was that? Uh, in Colorado. Colorado. He showed us the prototype. Yeah. We was talking through it. You and I were sort of thinking this is never going to take off. Yeah. And finally – he it's does it. Deal. He pulls it off. Not only does he pull it off, it's fucking brilliant. Like it's safe. And he also does classes where he teaches people how to use them as well. Like teaches the dogs how to get up on the bike seat and then load into the box itself. And it's bloody brilliant. It's incredible. Really proud of George. Lovely guy. And I'm really happy that this is paying out for him. All right. Daniel Trapino? It's actually Tropiano. He corrected me. Okay. So anyway, Daniel Trapino. <laughs> Dog Club South Dog Club, Australia. Australia. Yeah. It's a cool little facility he's yeah, got It's a there. great facility. Get yes. in, check it out. He does all the, all the training. Yeah, he's decked it out. He's got it all looking schmick. It's a bit street. It's a bit edge. It's a bit kitschy. You yeah, know? he's got some cool artwork. Yeah, it looks good. Check yeah. it out for yeah, sure. it's great. It's about time South Australia started lifting its game. Good on you, Daniel. Yeah, leading the charge down there. Well done. We've got a new one. Who we got? Tailored Canines. We have too. They contacted us on Instagram, yep. stumbled into our advertising <laughs> tier, and yep. away we go. Yep. So they're in Canada. They are. They're in Ontario. Gold, Nipopo gold people, yeah, gold multiplicators. I think, I think they're a gold multiplicator. Yep. yep. So if you're recently certified as a silver school and you're mm-hmm. looking for somewhere to do your gold yep. and you're around the Canada or just anywhere up that northern part of the Americas, check it out. So Taylor they Canines. do puppy, adult group classes, private and board and train programs. There you go. Taylor so thank you for jumping on and advertising with us. Hey, everyone. 
If you would like to be an advertiser, <laughs> do it. Reach out to us. Shut up, you buffhead. So I know that on Patreon, and we appreciate people just putting money in there. That's wonderful. Yes, but we do have to limit how many people we have, and so get in contact with us. Make sure that we actually can serve you, and that we actually, you know, can provide you value as an advertiser, and that you align with our ethos as well. Of that, course, that's very important. That would be appreciated. To recap. Our sponsors are, and the people we love because they give us a lot of money. Yes. Well, it's not a lot of money, but some money. Yeah. Einzewick, he promises he's going to do it. He's look, I'm looking at him now. I'm looking at the reflection of him fixing it. Has that gone through yet? No, because still trying. has got shit pines <laughs> Dan Croft, puppy classes, yep. cool facility. Barber de Groot. Amazing sugar mama, love her, from the heart dog training. George Kittridge. Rowdy Hound Dog Boxes. Daniel Tropiano, Tropino. Tro- Dog clubs, Troppy Daniel. <laughs> Dog clubs, Australia. Yeah. And new to the family, tailored canines. Yeah. All the way from Ontario, Canada. So we've got two Canadians. That'll do advertising. Yeah. Mo- do. Mostly from the United States. One from Oz. Well done. Well played. Thank you, sirs and Matt. Check them out. They support us. You yeah. should support them. Yep. Here's a show. There's a show now. Here's a show. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in the studio today by my co-host, Glenn Cook, and coming back for, I don't know, what's it been? 18 months, two years, something? Too long. Well, however long it's been, it's been too long. It's Bertie O'Sheedy. Hello, everyone. It's so, so nice to be back. Thank you for having me. We've all done this before we turn the mics on, but it's great to have you back. I'm so happy to be back. Like, I missed you really much. Like, I was a bit disappearing for a little while from the world because that's what I needed. But I missed you. Like, not just talking to everyone, but just, you know, being around friends. Well, it hasn't been as long for Pat as it has for me because I brought Michael Ellis up to your place. Yes, that was a magical day. For him as well. And even when I went over to San Fran and hung out in his end of the world, we were talking about that and he was telling his wife, Carol, what She's an amazing! Oh, Carol's amazing. It's She's, stunning. One of the things I really like about Carol Ellis is that lady can speak her mind about anything. There's no punches pulled. She just gets straight to the point. Yeah, right. Of, okay. I respect that a lot. Right to the business end of it. Not in a nasty way. She's not a nasty person. She's full of love, full of energy, full of support, but just gets straight to the point. When she needs to say something, she says it. That's good. Which her and Michael need. Michael's very easy and ebbs and flows really nicely. And Carol, she's the business end of the stick, which is great. We were in a restaurant having lunch together and Michael was saying, when I went up to Bertie's place and we were doing this and that beautiful view of the gorge that we went out and saw together and he just loved it. He just had a great day up there and I knew he would. When he was here, I said, you've got to come up and meet my friend Bertie. She's your people. As soon as you go up there to the Blue Mountains, you're going to be in heaven. Like it's just a beautiful end of the world. He's such a beautiful soul. Like obviously I can froth over his dog training too, but <laughs> but it's just like meeting someone face-to-face mm. and if they come to your house, like I haven't been to his school or anything, I met a very private person. He met a very private me, right? Mm. And that just is a bit nearly sacred in a way. Like you were there and there was – it was a family dinner yeah. amongst people who had kindred spirits like, right? And that was just really special. It was definitely a magical moment, a magical day. It was. It was a great year, day. Hands down. Yep. And that is the word of today, my dear friends. The topic today is the magic of awe and wonder. Of the magic of awe and wonder. Yeah. Let me just sort of frame it. I haven't seen you in ages. No, you haven't. Glenn is just saying he saw you when Mike went up with you, but I yeah. haven't seen you. It's got to be 18 months or something. Yeah, lives get busy, you go in opposite directions. What have you been doing? 
we're going to talk about what you've got going on, but give us a quick rundown on what's been happening. I'm living in a national park in the Blue Mountains and I'm having five acres of permaculture property, mm-hmm. which takes a lot of love because we bought it as a dumpster, basically. You know, there's glass all over it. At one point I had to vacuum glass off my dirt floor outside in the <laughs> middle of nowhere. Like, you know, that when we bought it, there was a 10-metre high tower of garbage and fridges and furniture and no one wanted to have our house because someone had died in it and it was empty for two years to reduce the price so dramatically whilst everything else was spiking because it was such a dump. So there's a lot of love going in there. And um, I don't know if you remember, but I was – Probably four or five years ago, I was really sick. Mm. Like I didn't think I was going to make my 40th birthday. Yeah, yeah, really Right, like I was really unwell. And so for me, it was just important to take a time out from the world and reassess what I'm doing. And now I'm having an amazing family. I've let go of a lot of social constructs that I've built for myself. And I'm pretty much living what I preach. Like, you know, it's, it's one of those things where for me to be healthy and have a lot of energy because I had such back chronic fatigue – is I have to honor who I am. And that is just despite working with people, I'm alone at the end of the day. I'm very comfortable in the wild. And also I just had to work really hard to get my fitness back and Mm -hmm. to get the energy back to actually give to other people. Mm -hmm. I'm in a super cool place right now. Like I have a beautiful life. I couldn't have hope for anything better. And it was possible because I started believing that there is more out there that my mind can comprehend. Mm -hmm. Like if you're faced with, hey, I don't know if I'm going to make my 40th birthday, you're in the pits. Yeah, yeah. And after you've spent thousands and thousands of dollars on all medical experts, there's a point where you have to let go of what you think can help and you just try a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And what helped me the most was just always releasing the boxes I had created in my mind and just always trying new things, staying curious. And that gave me a lot of resilience and persistence. Mm -hmm. For example, on my 40th birthday, that week, I was invited to fighting class in my Kung Fu, my Wing Chun school, because I had enough stamina and I had enough persistence and showed the right traits to be part of fight school. So on my birthday, I got invited to fight club that we talk a lot about because it's an amazing Kung Fu school, right? Yeah, so it's amazing. So that's a strong indicator that your health is great, everything's on track, you're doing really well. Yes, I'm probably the happiest I can remember. Perfect. How good is that? Yeah, very, very happy and also very grateful because, you know, you can't do those things by yourself. So I have a lot of people who love me and support me and, you know, I have a lot of people who just invested in me, like Mm. you too. Let me (laughs) – I've just realized what a terrible job I'm doing as like a podcast host is that I'm just straight into like, hey, Bertie, how are you? Without actually explaining who you are. And so (laughs) we haven't had you on in a long time. You were basically a co-host at one point. In fact, you filled in for me when I was gone for several weeks at one point. Yes. But just remind our audience, well, not remind, everybody who knows who you are knows who you are, but for people who don't, why is it relevant that we're talking to you? What are your qualifications? What do you actually do? Oh, dear. Yeah. It's like a formal job interview. Yeah, well, Jesus. Just, it just occurred to me that <laughs> if we haven't spoken to you in 18 months, there's probably a lot of new listeners in that haven't heard those old episodes and probably don't know that why it is that we're talking to you. Well, at all. she's added to her resume as well yeah, along the way. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, hi, my name is Bertie, Bertie Oshidi. The reason why I'm sitting with Glenn and Pat here is because I had a really challenging, amazing soul dog called Luna. She was human and dog reactive and that's how I met Pat and Glenn and it helped me a lot and I became a certified dog trainer through Glenn's Institute. 
technically it's not my institute. Yeah, well, but you're my head trainer. Like you gave me a lot of help. Yeah, I did the pragmatic side with you. Yes. So that mixed with clinical psychology. Which is your actual qualification. that's my actual, yes, I'm a clinical psychologist and I specialize in trauma. Was a really interesting mix. So I toured the world and had lots of workshops in helping dog owners with their difficult dogs. And basically I showed them that, hey... The dog is your teacher. What does it teach you about you? What what shadow wounds do you have? What mm-hmm. do you need to learn? And yeah, that's what I did. Perfect. And now I'm here and now I'm, things are a bit different. Like I, I'm, despite having dog training knowledge, I'm not a dog trainer by no means. I have a beautiful dog, another dog now. His name is Pax. He's a stunning Labrador retriever from Carl from Red Cypher Dogs. Highly recommend him. It's my like hands down, my dream dog. I'm so happy to hear that because last time you were on, he was a brand new puppy. So it's a disaster no matter what. <laughs> I know a thing or two about disastrous puppies. You do puppies. know about puppies. But I'm so glad to hear that he's grown up into being exactly what you wanted from a dog. Exactly. And I can tell you just because the topic is the magic of awe and wonder. I drew that dog since I'm a little kid. Yeah, right. So basically he's a fox red lab that has goofy eyes and the biggest smile. He's the happiest dog I've met in my life. Oh, he's a stunning dog. He's a stunning dog. Mm. He loves everyone. He's very intuitive, feels a lot of things. He's a pretty vile child because I like it that way and we live on a property. Like, you know, he, yeah, yeah. he has a massive outlet. He's hardly ever on a leash. But I drew him since a little kid and I saw him in my dreams and he's exactly that dog. And so I'm like, yeah, my kid version of me knew exactly what I wanted and I got it. Amazing. How good is it? I know we've talked about difficult stuff in the past, but when you have a dog that you love, but it's a problem dog and you can love that dog as much as you want, there's always an element of resent because it's not the dog that you See, hoped. I don't have that. You, don't, you never no, got that? Because I have, and I'm I'm just going to say fucking lucky. I hope I'm still allowed to swear on you. You can show. say shit. You can say fuck. You say whatever you want. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> because Luna was my, to me, my moon dog, my Luna dog, mm-hmm. who taught me a lot about the shadows of me. Like she taught me a lot. She was one of my biggest therapists in my own life. Mm-hmm. And Pax is just a son. He just radiates happiness. Yeah. There's something to that. Like when you've had a dog that is difficult, when you then have a dog that is just easy, people come over, you don't have to care. They, you, you it's don't have relief. To, yeah. It's relief. Like yeah. I can... And I shouldn't say this publicly, but I'm not great with locking my house. <laughs> Just <laughs> but don't I tell never, where you live. I don't, I never have to worry that if someone, a poster, whatever, knocks on the door and the dog's out, and I'm in the back of the property, that I have to worry about because what will happen is he will have an amazing time with my dog because yeah. he will just snuggle him, right? And he will he makes everyone stay. To the point that Pax can't be a therapy dog because he just takes too much attention away from the actual work. Yeah. <laughs> like It is a treat and it's something that is like, it's just high on my mind at the moment. Me and Jazz were away for the weekend and it was really difficult weather, like challenging weather to travel with puppies with, you know, it's 40 degrees and raining and we're driving to Queensland. And so managing these puppies who don't know anything and they're going to be great dogs, but right now it's just hard. But also having my dog who you get to a truck stop and I just open the crate and he goes and pees and does his own thing. And then I'm dealing with the puppies and then you go, hey, man, we got to go. And he's like, sweet, and jumps in the box and away you go. Like, it's just, you're like, oh, my God, thank God. You know, I don't have to worry. He knows how to navigate the world perfectly. I'm not at all concerned about him getting himself into trouble and on basic stuff like that. And it's just this comfort and ease with the dog that is the whole point of putting in so much effort with puppies. Yeah, and – Pax reflects me. We pretty much hermits in our property. Like, you know, it's a treat to come down into the big smoke. 
But I like it that way. He's amazing on bushwalks. You know, he still has a rocket up his butt. He has a ton of energy. And I am very lucky that I can give him his biological fulfillment. Like he loves to search, you know, he loves to like, what I do is I put him in the middle and then I chuck the ball behind the garage so he can't see it into the bushland. He looks for 25 minutes. Yeah. perfect. How much did you learn about packs from the preparation of having Luna? So my biggest mistake with Luna is that I'm an over-control and a helicopter parent. And I think with a new puppy, I just took a lesson out of your book and just go like, let them just be puppies. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that was to me probably the biggest lesson is that he was a pretty, for me in my life that works, I don't think it would work for everyone, but I like that he's n- pretty free and wild. Like I like to see his sparkle in his eyes, you know, like for me at the moment, it's not important that I can have a perfect leash walk. It's not yeah. important to me. So I didn't practice it. What's important to me is an amazing recall in the bush yeah. you, and a really good leave because we have snakes. So these are practical things, but what I learned the most is that honoring his personality and don't crush him yeah. with my fear. Yep. Perfect. That's probably the takeaway. Also, you should check out Pax on my Instagram. If you need a smile, he put his dating profile pick up. He wears a bow. He's pretty handsome. <laughs> like if you need a pick up, you should check him out. What's the handle for people who need to look at that right now? Bertie Oshidi at Instagram or Facebook. Okay, Bertie Oshidi. And my dog's called Pax. He's super handsome. He is. He's a very handsome dog. <laughs> no, no biasness yeah. there at all. No, oh, he no. is. He's got, uh, he's got chiseled features. He's a good-looking dog. I've met him in the flesh yeah. and he was like just bounding out of his skin to get out of his little yeah. lock-in area so he could come and jump all over it. So I said to Bertie, I'll oh, just let it happen. Yeah. She goes, you don't mind? And I said, nah, we're all dog people. Bertie and Pax and everyone were on their best behaviour because Michael was there. And <laughs> we, just, we just, everyone just goes, look, just yeah. let it happen. Yeah, it's also he has, so he knows not to jump up on people, but what he does, he's like 36 kilos or something. He runs up to you, stops right when he needs to stop, but then he turns his booty in that your knees go backwards. Right, right. Because he's such, he's coming in hot. <laughs> He's, yeah. he's like a 35 kilo hummingbird. Right. Yes. <laughs> imagine imagine a hummingbird that can zip around you at the speed of light and then be in front of you and behind you. It's like watching the flash. <laughs> that's 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 described. Yeah, but Pax. God forbid you fart or sneeze in him because he will jump up in the air. I don't know what it is, but you do it and he can be sleeping and he just oh my God. jumps up. Okay, so we've said hello, we've reminded people who you are and told mm. new people who you are. You are a clinical psychologist that has come into the dog space and did for a long time a lot of stuff in the dog space, but you've been out of it for a little while. Yes, for a reason. Yeah. What are we doing here today? What are we talking about? What I realized is when I was on my healing journey is that I had to start oscillating more into the mystical esoteric space, like more into intuitive space. Mm -hmm. And I'm a nerd at heart. Like I love science. Like I have a science degree. I did my psychology degree based on science, not on philosophy. And what's so fascinating about it is that now so much research is coming out that having awe and wonder and magic in your life is what most people are lacking. Mm -hmm. It's actually an evolutionary need to evolve and to keep growing The research is pretty young. Like one of the most significant papers was only published, I believe, in 2003. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just telling you that if you feel like, hey, my life was not great, I feel pretty numb, I don't have much happiness in me, I feel pretty disconnected, I'm pretty disillusioned by life, this is a topic for you. And just to put it in perspective, because when I say awe and wonder, people usually think about fairies and there's no problem with that either. But I need to tell you that some of the most genius minds in this world recognize this. And I have a little quote for you, because this is not just about being airy-fairy. This is really hardcore. 
and this is really important to everyone, listen up. Here is something that Albert Einstein, to me still to this day, the most intriguing person ever because he had visions, right? Like he could conceptualize things that I can't even understand the introduction in a paragraph to his books. And he said, the most beautiful emotion we can experience is the mystical. It is the power of all true art and science. He to whom his emotion is a stranger, who can no longer wander and stand wrapped in awe, is as good as dead. Mm. And that comes from a very rational, scientific genius, right? Nikola Tesla was very much like that Yeah, too. all of them are. They're visionaries, right? They don't get to that stratosphere without being able to look at something holistically. Yes. Like their minds are working on different dimensions than ours. We are very rudimentary the way we look and we've been educated that way since yes, we've been we've sent been to boxed. school. We've been told don't think, what's the word you use, esoterically? Yeah, esotermistically, yeah. like you, you're being boxed. You're constantly told right. that's right or wrong. But We've been capped. Exists. We're being yes. told don't think like that. That's strange. That's weird. And that goes against the Bible and God and everything like that. Like you're a devil or a, a weirdo or a freak or a hippie if you think like that. But the people who do think about that, they're uncaged. They're untapped. Yes. You know, like they have an exceptional connection to the world and people around them. What they can see in a visionary scope is quite profound. It is. And to me... I'm worried about society because it's lacking. Especially I, now. Yeah, it's, it's it's like I feel so, I think the biggest part for me to let go was being so tattered to really question what I've been taught, you know. Like I've been going to school most of my young adult life and you just realise how tattered and boxed and shackled you become just in your thinking. Because even when you go to universities these days, you need grants to do certain mm. things. People who give you a grant have a motivation, right? So what I'm encouraging you to do, if this, if all you listen to this and you're hanging up now and you go like, oh, Bertie's not my cup of tea, then please. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just encourage you. Thank you for having my back. Um, is that you look at all the boxes you've created in your life. Like how do you keep yourself small? Mm. Right. So for me, that's one thing because I feel like that's the purpose of life that a lot of people want to keep us small. Oh, that's something to think about. I want to tell you that there is a huge movement, even in the scientific world now, where we feel that we are being too caged, we're being too tethered. Mm -hmm. Like there's a real movement at the moment where we question things and we go like, just because we don't have language for it or we can't put numbers to it, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We're just not there yet to conceptualize it. Well, I think that's happening at the macro and the micro. I think that individual people are starting to feel that way in society. Certainly I'm noticing that, but also at a bigger picture, people are... You know, just something that is interesting to me is that yeah, every six, most 60 years, classified documents get declassified, you know? And uh, what's interesting to watch at the moment is the ones that aren't being declassified or the ones that are now and we're finding out that we've been lied to our entire lives. Oh, totally. Like, you mean I, about the UFO movement? Well, the UFO thing is is high on my mind, mm. but the biggest one that blew my mind the other day was that, and we're so far off dog training, I apologize for this, but this is relevant. Do you know Hitler didn't kill himself? So- I knew that though. Yeah, well, so they told us that Hitler killed himself in a bunker. Well, then why were there U.S. Special Forces teams looking for him as late as the 60s? And so the documents has come out that there so were guys out looking for him. you believe what you read? No, but this is the thing. So <laughs> we're, we're finding out now that a lot of our history is not real. A lot of our history but is that, fake, that we've been lied to about these things that we just took for granted. Well, I love can, that can, Sorry, said, can I just jump in on one? Of course, it's sorry. Uh, wait, before I get called a conspiracy theorist on that, you can look that shit up yourself. Yeah. That's a real thing. See, that but that's were, another box. They just put you in this conspiracy <laughs> yeah. theory thing yeah. and it's just hoax. But, but there were actual 
individual US Army Special Forces teams still hunting for Hitler in the 60s. So if we know that he killed himself in 1945 in a bunker, why, why they were they doing, doing that, the job? right? So I'm he, with you, darling. I'm he, with you. Here's another one that's quite simple and it intrigued me when somebody put it to me the other day. During the lunar landing, the first one, who filmed it? <laughs> oh, I, who filmed it? I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I'm with you, though. Like I think there's so much just... I'm not saying what's right or wrong. I think everyone should make their own consent on this, but I'm just question what you've been taught. Yeah. Question it, right? Come to your own conclusions. Don't don't just go like, oh, because an important person said that, believe it. Yeah. But anyway, The filming back. one really fucks me up because then <laughs> yeah. when you think about film cameras yep. and how sensitive film is. But back then. Yeah. But back like, then in the in the like 60s. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, carry on. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Like you're talking to someone who lives a very untraditional life, does a lot of untraditional things. But what's really important for me that listeners are understanding is you can find your comfort zone in this scale of questioning you know you don't have to be as extreme as birdie who lives in the woods you can find your own way like for example if you talk about intuition people maybe go like oh my god you know they're, they're wizards or, or clairvoyants or people who can predict the future no cooking from your heart is intuition mm, okay so we also have to put a just a bit of a gentle reminder here that you don't have to become what you don't want to become i'm just telling you don't put a boundary early enough or don't stop yourself to fully developing and evolving because why wouldn't you want to evolve as much as you can, mm. right? Everyone has a place in awe and wonder. Whether it is magic in music, magic in your hobby, finding a flow state, in meditation, in dog training. Like how amazing is it if someone does something like PSA, if you see a dog that has trained all year for it and he aces it at the trial, that's a magical moment. Mm. Right. Seeing you guys after I, have, I haven't seen Pat in ages, just seeing him made me so happy. I've seen Glenn before. It still makes me really happy seeing you. But you just know that these special contacts of people who you know you have a connection with, they're magical moments. Mm -hmm. Don't judge it by going like, oh, my God, magic is crazy crystals and all of that. It can I, be. I, I think, like it, but you don't have to. I think Russell Brand said it well. He has something called The Fruits or something like that on YouTube. The Truths. The, tr the Truths, yeah. yeah. And he was talking earlier about a similar type of subject and he said what we've been conditioned to do is building a perfect invisible prison around ourselves and throwing yeah. away the key. You're your own um, captivator. Yeah. It's you who keeps yourself captivated. It's no one else. And when I realised when I had chronic fatigue I did all the things to myself and there was no one else to blame, just me, that took a couple of months, maybe years to just sit with that, that, you know, like – you have a lot of power that you've learned to give away mm -hmm. and it just takes a, a little while to reclaim your power and to discover your power again and it takes courage. Okay. So we're talking magic but magic with a K, right? No, we're talking – I'm going to give you the definition okay. now just so we're clear. Okay. Okay. So what is awe and wonder? Awe and wonder has existed all our lives, has existed – all of us have been or had Indigenous roots at some stage. So – whether it is philosophers, whether it is healers, whether it's shamans, whether it is witches if you're in the UK or druids, we all had moments of awe and wonder in our history. It's just always been looked at sceptical because there's a lot of power in that. But let's give you the scientific terms right now from a psychologist's perspective. The John Templeton Foundation by the Greater Good Science Centre at US Berkeley, so quite prestigious, gives us an overview of awe. 
Basically, they say in 2003, a landmark paper written by psychologists Dacher Keltner and Jonathan Haidt suggested that all experiences can be characterized by two phenomena. And this is so interesting because I've never would have done it that way. But here we go. The first one is perceived vastness, like an immensity, mm -hmm. like big. And the other one is a need for accommodation, cognitive accommodation. If I would have to put an emoji besides both titles, it's the one that explodes your head, like okay. something blows your mind. I'm going to explain a little bit what the psychologist Keltner and Hyde meant by that. So perceived vastness can come from observing something that's literally physically large. So the Grand Canyon or when Michael Alice was standing at my lookout and you can see the Blue Mountains Valley and it's just so stunning that it takes your breath away because it's so huge. Mm -hmm. Or it can come from a theoretical perceptual sense of vastness and immensity like when you're in the presence of someone that is just an authority or has a lot of power or when someone meets an idol, you know, like, for example, I can see when Pat goes to a seminar and he has people there who are frothing over him <laughs> or at your seminar too. Or when Michael Ellis entered my house, I had a bit of a, oh, my God, this is that person who has achieved so much. Mm -hmm. So it's basically something with immense prestige, power, authority, or a huge landmark. Or it can also be a complex idea like the theory of relativity, like Einstein. Mm -hmm. Like I could have Einstein's theory in front of me and I would be overwhelmed just to grasp the idea. Mm -hmm. So that is the concept of perceived vastness. That's one point. And the other one is called an experience that evokes a need for accommodation because it violates your normal understanding of the world. Mm, okay. Okay. So you have these two components, how they classify all. And the interesting thing is that it's not an emotion that causes necessarily positive, comfortable, or uncomfortable, negative emotions. It's complicated. Like, for example, when people come to my lookout, there's a drop off, a 200 meter drop off. They're scared, but they're so intrigued. Like, it's a lot of things going on. And it's yeah, I can vouch for that. I've yeah. stood on the on the edge of that and you've been there we've yeah. all been yeah. there yeah we have group photo yeah, yeah. it rocks you like yeah, it rocks uh, you. michael who's a experienced rock climber he got right to the edge and i was worried about him getting right to the edge but for him that was heaven he was right in his element of going over and standing right on the edge of the precipice yes yeah the interesting thing is when something violates your understanding of the world it does something to your brain it does something to your mental structure it actually makes you feel small it's the opposite of ego. I can give you an example of that. There's a road that we like going on motorcycle journeys on. You eventually get to a place called the Oxley Highway, but to get there you have to go through an area called Thunderbolts. It's, you go up this mountain, then you come through this pine forest, and as you come down the other side of it and you get into Thunderbolts, suddenly it just opens up. And the first time I ever did it, that was the first time I sort of was shocked and felt small because it just opened right up and I felt like an ant in God's world. Mm. Mm. And it was, I remember speaking of this to somebody that I was having a bit of a deeper meaning or full conversation. I said, I've never felt so overwhelmed when I came around the corner. Like I almost felt like I had to pull my bike over and just like breathe to get wow. my breath again because it was wow. really... Like I've done the ride probably about 20 times since and I love it every time I go there. But the first experience was unlike every other experience I've had. Like the first experience 
physically took my breath away. Yes. It was so overwhelming to come through it because I was concentrating on the road and staying upright on the bike and suddenly it's just like boom, you come out and you're just in, in this expanse and it's massive. It's, it's yeah. awesome and you just realise, my God, this is just one blip on a map in New South Wales and yet I feel so small here and so powerless. The way I described it was the Valley of the Giants. Wow. It was amazing. It was incredible. Do you know what I love about this is that, I mean, Australia is a stunning country, mm. but even in my village in Austria, I would have a sense of that if I would look up a mountain. Oh, Austria is stunning. Yeah, but, or in Canada or in America. Mm. Like the, yeah. the beautiful thing about Owen Wonder is it follows you wherever you are. You just need to learn to look for and it. And aren't you lucky to experience that when you do? Like the feeling yes. that you have. like it's, The gratitude. Well, it's like your heart explodes in your chest. It's incredible. So, so the interesting thing is like when we need to make a cognitive adjustment, a cognitive realignment in our brains for it. So society at the moment, maybe not so much this generation, but before us has been taught that these things are hard to get by, you know, like we have just not understood how important they are. So I believe I learned a lot about plant medicine and helping people integrate plant medicine experiences is that it's kind of sad that we need to use sledgehammers of such mystical experiences because we have not understood the kind of like the fine work of seeing awe and wonder in all around us because we're so numb to it, yeah. right? And I have massive gratitude to plant medicine and, and I had many mystical experiences. Like I'm someone who on the sliding scale of how willing are you to go into the mystic experiences, I'm right out there. Like I was on a vision quest camping a week under a tarp in the middle of the bush with hardly any food, no food and clothes on and it was a magical experience and it turned out very differently than I thought it would and I got really nourished. But I just want to tell you that we are numb to awe and wonder. And part of my mission now in my life is to bring that back because I think it has one of the most healing components in people's lives. Like we have so much research already showing that if you learn to have awe and wonder in your life and I can teach you how, your life will change. Mm. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that. Mm. But I just think that even when I... I remember Pat and I, we talked in previous years, we talked a lot about our dreams and our mm -hmm. visions and all of that. And remember the post that I sent you about Q the other day? Mm. That was for me one of those moments where I'm like, wow, A, I was able to share an amazing vision and dream with a friend and we talked about it and we had enough trust in our relationship to do that. But also it was mind-blowing to the point that I still remember it. Mm. And so there's also just this, this beautiful thing of that if we celebrate awe and wonder or like how I could – you know, vicariously lived through Glenn's motorbike ride, the Thunderbolts. I had awe and wonder just because I had enough empathy to enter his fantasy world, which mm. was real, but for me it was a fantasy, right? Mm. So all of a sudden you have this network then where awe and wonder just thrives if you find people who are doing that with you unapologetically. And I think for me it makes me so, so sad and I see it in my clients all the time. Like I have clients who fly in at the moment and they work a week with me. They have my whole attention for a week and they just get a lot of shit done. And I asked him, I'm like, when did you stop dreaming? When did you stop believing in magic? When did you stop believing that miracles can happen or, or that the world is just a magical land? When did that stop? And it usually happens in adulthood or in childhood because they're told they're stupid for believing in that mm. or it's not possible, right? So they're being reprimanded for believing in something that is bigger than them and is a fantasy to many people. I understand the parenting side of things sometimes, but at the same time, I'm like, if that happens over and over and over, you're just shutting someone down. You box them again, right? So for me, I use the word magic a lot. And 
The reason why I use magic a lot is because it taps into that inner child in us that, you know, used to listen to stories and movies and all of that. It, and I believe if we can keep our inner wild child, inner, our inner happy child happy, we're better humans because we, we don't lose that ability, that vitality in us. Like people who have an inner wild child, their eyes sparkle, mm-hmm. right? I also want to give you the definition of magic by someone who is a witch and a psychologist. Okay. <laughs> Just so what we does go- it say on their business card? Oh, she's a lecturer at very prestigious universities. It's Dr. Vivian Crowley. Which does she put first? It, like on the business card, does it say psychologist slash witch? Or Dr. Does it Vivian say Crowley, witch? I would have to have your business cards to answer this. All I know <laughs> is that she's highly recommended. Interesting okay. surname, Crowley. Crowley yeah, has been I know, I associated know. with witchcraft and demonology. and Yeah, the, it's also in the movie, right? The Good Omens, like the demon was yes. called Crowley. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but uh, Crowley is associated with... Demonology and look, maybe she comes from a beautiful, powerful lineage that hasn't been smothered. Who knows? Could be. Okay, so which goes first? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't want to speak for her. But what I want to give you is like, so I've given you a hardcore Berkeley University kind of definition from hardcore scientists. And now I give you someone who. Before you do that, what were the name of the scientists again? So they were Dr. Dacher Keltner and Jonathan Hyde. Why do I know Jonathan Hyde? What's he done? Why do I know that name? What I know is he's studying all okay. the conceptual approach to all. I know that name for some reason. I can't. I'm, remember I'm why. not sure. I said Doctor Dacher Kaltner. I'm not sure if there's a doctor, but to me, the paper reads really well. And look, if you want to have my paper from the UC Berkeley Foundation, just email me at hello at birdieoshidi.com, and I can give you the whole paper. Okay. Also, we have just to let you know on the first. Tuesday night, every Monday, we're going to have a hangout. It's called Let's Get Wild Together with me, where I share the latest science about awe and wonder with you guys. Okay. And also, like, that's you can book a one and a half hour session with me and I teach you all about awe and wonder that you need. Okay. I really believe in it. And I'm working with trauma specialists from all over the world. Like, if you're in England, you have Sharon Miller. If you're in Scotland, you have Susan Simpson. If you're in Queensland, you have Graham Cal. If you're on the Central Coast, you have Belinda Moore. And there's also a really cool book out there. It's called The Power of All by Jack Eagle and Michael Amster. And uh, they have a method how they teach all. And that's what I teach people a lot. Like in my upcoming The Magic of Dog seminar on the webinar, I teach that. There's lots of information out there. But to come back to Dr. Vivian Crowley. Okay. The witch. (laughs) (laughs) The high priestess. Okay. Sorry. I apologize. I apologize. The high priestess. To me, that's how I see magic because it taps into my inner child. Okay, so give us her definition. So magic is the unexpected, the exciting, that which takes us out of our ordinary states of consciousness and into some other, older, deeper, wilder place. Magic implies wildness and wonder, the archaic, the mysterious and inexplicable. So I like that definition. Yeah, I like that too. Yeah, see, welcome to the club. Yeah. Is that magic with a K or that's... Normal magic. Okay. I mean, I'm not that into magic circles that I differ between these things so much because I think everyone has to find their own way of how to do things. Yeah, yeah. And my house, I mean, I live with a pretty much, Dan is a Harry Potter in his 50s. Like my house is very magical, but I'm also, you know, part of my family is really involved in the Kung Fu schools and there's a very martial arts type of energy work, which to me is also magic. Mm-hmm. And I think what for me a big mission is is that your stereotypes, what you think of magic, they do exist, but they also don't have to exist. You just have to find your place. That's well. right. And that's what I'm trying to give people. Because I, I transport myself back in time 10 years and the moment someone says magic is real, I'm like, fuck a moron. <laughs> like, because I'm thinking that 
they're thinking like magic card tricks and, you know, like that David Copperfield really levitated as he walked across the Grand Canyon and all that kind of shit, right? And that's what I think most people's brains go to. But there's a different use of that word that is very real because it is exactly as you just explained, like some sort of felt sense. And so your own sense of magic is relevant to you and not to anybody else. Yes, and I think that's what I want to advocate for is that, you have to find your place in awe and wonder. And there, the beautiful thing is there is such a diverse field of awe and wonder out there that you can make it your own home that's really safe and comfortable but also helps you keep growing and evolve and staying alive. Because if you stop growing, you're not alive. Mm-hmm. So I just I, I want to be a bit wider in this definition because just because I am so comfortable in very extreme situations doesn't mean other people are. Yeah. Like I don't feel the need to have dog bites bought magic in my life. I'm very happy with my <laughs> Labrador retriever who kisses me to death, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't need to get in a bite suit, but that's your magic. Yeah, yeah. And then there's different types of magic, energy magic, right? Like just to let you know, the magic that Pat referred to does also exist, like Hogwarts could exist in this <laughs> world. But I want that you start being curious about what magic do you have in your everyday life because it's all around you, whether that is a magpie eating out of your hand, whether that is you accomplish something with your dog, whether that is you see someone and you haven't seen them and you really connect with them again and you feel them. Like, do you remember when we did the eye staring competition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we had this magical moment where we just realized something happened Mm -hmm. because we had like glimpses. Mm -hmm. And I think these are the magical moments that everyone can have. I want to tell you a little bit about awe and the definition of awe as in a psychologist, scientist perspective right now, because the benefits are like crazy cool. I would feel bad if I haven't spoken about it. This was me basically coming a little bit back to the dog community because a lot of people who reach out to me, they can't afford me for what they need that long or they're in America or it just doesn't fit, go on Zoom, doesn't do really well. But if you want to have a one and a half hour session to learn about awe and wonder and have these benefits that I'm going to list, please help yourself or with someone else. But help yourself because I believe your life will improve. Mm-hmm. I really, really do. All right. Hand on my heart. Okay. If we think of awe as a super emotion, you know, like how you have superfoods, mm-hmm. awe is that super emotion. And they have even greater health and wellness benefits than other emotions. And that to me is really interesting because I feel like I'm lazy at my heart. So I want to be really effective and impactful in what I do. And I, for example, I meditate most days, but that took a lot of discipline to get to the point that I really meditate every day. And if I wouldn't have had awe and wonder, I would have given up on meditation. So for me, it's worth chasing something where I'm like, you're a big hit. Like if I do that, you will cover a lot of other things in my life. So I don't have to do other things. Do you know what I mean? Yep. I have to be efficient at the end of the day. So what science has found out that a lot of big effects I've associated with the word awe in a psychologist kind of definition. And first of all, it promotes cognitive changes that make you widen your internal world, your internal assumptions. You basically like a kid that learns again, you're letting go of all constructs and you grow again, right? It allows us to process new information in a way that isn't familiar and expected. You're being flawed. You have to comprehend something new. Mm. So you're having to be a bit resilient because you go like the mind-blown emoji just comes to mind. Like you have to make sense of that. Mm. So you're challenged. You're making new cognitive pathways, neurological pathways. It also creates a non-judgmental and an open mind because you can't judge something you don't understand. 
right? Mm -hmm. So for me, that creates a nicer society because if we all practice non-judgmental cognitive approaches, then I'm like, well, we practice empathy at the same time. To me, I'm not sure if that's scientifically correct, but I would think so because you have theory of mind, you take perspectives. So from a neuroplasticity point of view and also from a societal point of view, for me, that's huge because I feel like society very often is just so entrenched in old thinking mm -hmm. and we've forgotten how to grow. So that's to me massive, huge. The second one is it just relaxes you. It makes you comfortable. Like when you go through that canyon and you went on a really cool motorbike, you go like, ah, oh. like I saw you in your chair. You didn't go forward. You went backwards. Your body relaxed into that awe sensation. So it naturally just soothes the mind. It lets you forget what you were struggling about. Like Packland and I, we had a discussion before what challenges we have in our lives. And yes, you can sit down, you can use cognitive behavioral therapy or you can meditate or you just have awe and wonder and you go outside and you open your world to nature's pretty much everywhere. That's why I love nature so much. And you just automatically relax. Like if I would be on the beach with you guys and I would sit there and we would see the sunset on the beach, we both would have a moment of, oh, it's yeah. nice. Somebody who's actually a very valued friend and somebody who regularly keeps in contact with me is Melanie Benware. Like, yeah, she is amazing. Uh, Melanie, amazing, um, incredible. You like, are amazing. I don't think there's hardly a day that goes by where Mel and I don't talk. We had a friendship and it's maintained the whole time. I'm a terrible friend. I'm one of those people who can go a year and then think it's the second day. I'm um, very similar. Like Melanie hasn't hurt much for me despite me adoring her. Like my, one of my long, 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 long-term best mates, a guy called Darren North, him and I are the same type of person. We can go years and the minute we contact each other, it's like Tuesday and Wednesday. Mm -hmm. There's no disappointment. There's nothing like that. Melanie's a she's a better friend to me than I am to her because if she notices it's been a while, she'll go, hey, fam, it's been a while. What's happening? What are you up to? How's Narelle? How's Ladybug? Blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's just we just deep. needed to acknowledge that Melanie Benway is amazing and we're grateful for having people who go like, hey, you're still alive? There was a strong point to it. But anyway, I'll have to come back to Good it. Good luck I've... editing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so another cool point about awe and wonder is that it really increases your curiosity, like mm -hmm. because you're tapping in your inner happy wild child again, which is an essential part of you. The more you have a desire to explore, the more your resilience goes up. Like you need curiosity to stay resilient in this life. Okay. so That's new to me. I don't know about that. No, it's in psychology, curiosity and resilience have strong correlation. Really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Curiosity and resilience. resilience. go hand in hand. Okay. Yeah, they're super important together. Yep. For example, if you have chronic pain, curiosity is your number one tool very often. It's a part of pain management very often. Yeah, right. Okay. So it's always, it's refusing to go into the boring status quo. Yeah. And also it makes you question things a lot. Why is this that way? And and I have a beautiful kid in my life who challenges me every day. How does this work? How does this work? And you only know, realize that as a kid, you question things. You don't just take things for granted. Mm -hmm. This has been transformative for you, hasn't it? Like this whole journey that you're on now. Yeah. I can see how much happier you are. And I'm how very happy. You're so much more vibrant than you have been over years. Like you don't have, I'm saying this with affection, but you don't have that sort of masked pain that you had before. Like you, you seem like you're unburdened. Like um, you've, um, you've been able to remove the shackle that so many of us yes. willingly carry. Yes, I have. Like to the it's point. It's difficult because that's um, hard you know, work. As I talked before about Russell Brand's point, often I find myself putting myself in a shackle and carrying a ball around. And it's generally for other people, 
and I blame them for it, but it's me doing it. Yes. Like I'm the one who actually keys it to my leg. And I know I'm talking ethereal concepts here, but this is how I feel about things sometimes. I, I don't think so because to me this life is like a video game, right? I'm, I'm a one-person player. Oh, don't even get Pat started. <laughs> <laughs> you saw my face. You saw my face as twins. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Well, okay. Well, hello there. <laughs> but but um, It's all a video game. No, it's real. <laughs> I'm with you. But to your point is like I had to go to the GP the other day and she's like, can you explain to me what you've done? Because you've come out from f- thinking you're going to not make your 40th to being so vibrant, so abundant. You have so much energy. And she's, she asked me a lot of questions. She's like, do you exercise? I'm like, yeah, I train two or three times a week in martial arts. I meditate. I eat really well. I grow my own food. I have a very active garden life. I'm, I'm helping raise a kid. Like, you know, I'm, I'm busy. Like I, and also like I'm switched on in my head a lot. Like I have to be right. And she's like, you cure chronic fatigue. And I'm like, maybe I did. Like I still have days where I'm tired, but that's pretty normal. And she said, what did you do? And I'm like, well, what did I not do? Mm. But the number one thing that I do is allow myself to have awe and wonder and just let go of all the constructs and shackles I gave myself. Yeah. And if you would be a private person in my life, you go like, well, Bertie, you really live an untraditional life. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, the freedom you have to give yourself. You have to go like, what actually fits my soul? Yeah. What works for me and what doesn't work for me? What do I need to do? Where does my energy go? And that takes years. Like for me, this is not something that happened overnight. Like I've worked fucking hard at this, relentless, and I had amazing support. But it's worth it. Like I'm 41 now. I want to have another couple of decades of fun ahead of me. Fuck chronic fatigue. Mm -hmm. But in saying that, you know, it's a happy end story. Sometimes there is no happy end. Like, you know, like I had also terrible things happening this year. Like I witnessed a baby die right in front of my eyes, you know. Like that's terrible. That's Man. that's not nice at all. And and those parents, my heart goes out to them because I don't know how you can recover from something like that. Mm. To me, awe and wonder also is there to give you resilience that you make sense of your life, like why you're here. You need to understand why you're here. Mm. Because if you don't, what are you doing with your time? You're just a zombie. That's me though. Maybe that's not you. If you go like, hey, I have nothing to lose, then that's also cool. <laughs> I remember that concept from Kung Fu Panda 3. I've remarked on it several times in different episodes, but just the concept of asking yourself who you are and being empowered enough to actually understand that your multiples of different subjects at different times to different people in different time and space, and even to yourself. And I know people are probably thinking I'm talking very much woo, but even for myself, when I've thought about, I'm not the sum of one part. I'm a lot of things to a lot of different people and even to myself. Like there's so many things now that I'm willingly invested in. That reminded me of the conversation I had with Melanie Benware. Melanie and I were talking about some people who get categorized into this all or nothing sort of category. And she and I were having this very long, detailed, deep conversation, which I really enjoyed and I appreciate because Melanie makes me think about the things sometimes. And she said, what about at times where people who come into dog training, they literally invest everything into it and then find out it's not working for them? And I said, yeah, crushing. Mm. You know, that's why if anybody listens to what I'm saying, if they're reading between the lines or even directly what I'm saying to people is try not to be fixated onto one thing because if you get to the end of the journey or midway through it and think this is not working out for me, then you start questioning what am I worth? 
because that's who I am and that's what I built myself around. Like that is who I was and now it's not working out for me. What am I supposed to do? There's lots of different answers to that. What I generally say to somebody is, yeah, invest in it. Put energy into it. Put love into it. Put investment into it and do whatever you need to do. But also remember that you're not that person. That's just a a hobby, a career, a passion. It's not just what you are. Because that fucked me up for a period of time when I was having conflict with that. And it's something that has cycled back in and out of my brain when I've heard other people talking about it. I heard Pat talking about it with the army at one stage and it kind of jolted something in me. It loosened something up. It spun me back in time and it made me think, oh shit, you know, I remember feeling that. I haven't had any experience about being in the army or being involved in any of that life, but I have had experience with investing way too much in a person when I was deeply invested in one person And then when that fell apart, I kind of thought, what am I going to do? Mm. How am I going to survive this? Where am Mm. I going to go? And I've seen that same sort of investment with other people, losing a loved one, having a failed relationship, a failed career. And I've seen people very much spiral out of control on social media and talking about they're in despair and they're, they're standing at that abyss. They're standing at that focal point right there and then. I do try and encourage people like this is why when you're talking about having those experiences and those shock and awe moments, it's transformative. It does change you and it makes you realize it gives you insight that I'm not bound in any one place. I can be multiples of different people at different times in different aspects. The freedom and the exhilaration that you actually feel from that, I don't know if there's any accurate way of describing it. It just makes you realize Well, it gives you a huge sense of relief. Yeah, and I think that just shows to wisdom that you know yourself so much because, you know, like I think the cool thing about life is that we can have so many different things that work for us and what don't work for us. You know, like for me, for example, I am a person that attaches. I just do. If I attach, I attach. I will hurt if I have to detach. That will scar me. But that's okay because I know that and I'm willing to take the risk. I'm also willing to put the work in to make it work and show up and do the hard yards. But in saying that, I I also feel like what makes me so sad is that, for example, as a therapist, you talk a lot about love. Love is it's a core topic of every therapist, right? And then you look at the research and you look at what we've been taught and there are just so many lies about love that we're being taught and we're just being so brainwashed with what love looks like and what's important. And we're not being taught how to make relationships actually work. We're always taught what we want, but we're not being taught what we need to make it work or how that looks like or how to be okay if it doesn't work out, right? Like we're being set up with a carrot. You want this, but no one shows us how to get there essentially, mm-hmm. right? It's it's uh, it's a roll of the dice very often. That makes me very mad very often. But, you know, for instance, your beautiful wife, Norelle, or your beautiful wife, Jane, are to me people that I don't see very often. Like uh, Jane, I have maybe met once in my life. Narelle have more contact with, but to me, they're mind-blowingly cool. And to me, they make both of you such amazing humans. And I look at Narelle, she's building her empire right now. Like I was there when she created that right at the beginning. Mm. And now I'm like mind-blown how how she can do things that I can't even, like how she can put her formulas and her to me, that potions, right? <laughs> like how she can put her healing together for her dogs is crazy cool and I can understand it because it's so far away from my understanding. Well, there you go. When we've sat on the topic of potentially how people conceive 
awe and magic as a bit of woo, so do they with herbal treatments and so forth. There's many people, and I mean, I've had friends and colleagues who said to me, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I've said to them, ever taken a magic mushroom before? You want to see what a little bit of fungi can actually do and how can that can fucking oh, change your world? Oh, it can be a fun guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, even a toadstool, you can take a toadstool and it can completely destroy you. One toadstool can destroy your liver in one shot. And I said, you don't believe in it? Try messing with those things and see how that fares for you. Oh, totally. Like, we, you know, at the Kung Fu School, internal um, energy is a big part. And, um, you know, Seafair and, and Sigung Peter, they're ma- really amazing. They turn my world around in teaching you your own energy. And if you see what they can do with just having a clear understanding of their own internal energy, you're mind blown, you know, and that is hardcore evidence. It happens in front of you. You're part of it. And you just go like, we just have really little understanding of the body and how to apply those things. Yeah. Have you ever been involved in a chant group before? I can't sing to save my life. I got invited many, many, many years ago to be involved in a not to be not to chant with the group, but to sit with the chant group and stuff like that. The resonance that was coming out of that was unbelievable. Oh, unbelievable. yes, I can imagine. I've been it in was, drum circles, that reminds me of that. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It wasn't that magic happened or nobody levitated or, you know, like they didn't conjure a spirit or anything like that, but just the feeling that I felt for it. And I was resistant to it. Like I'm sitting there going, what am I here for? Like why am I here? What am I doing here? By the end of it I thought, I needed that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that was, that like, was food for my soul. There is. And for example, my beautiful friend, uh, Belinda Moore, she's, a, she's a, a medicine woman. She uses her drum and sort of stand, right? And they cleanse you and they bring visions in you and you get just get in touch with your own inner wisdom again to me. And, you know, no matter wherever you are in your journey, you get what you need. And to me, this is just something magical. Like, you know, and there's a reason, like, there's so much research coming out by bonfires are so healing for your soul because it actually activates bilateral stimulation in your brain and that makes you process things and releases trauma just mm-hmm. by looking at a flickering um, flame. If people are wondering what this has got to do with dog training, I think a lot more dog trainers need this than don't because dog training, the community, as nourishing as it can be, it can also be very aggravating at times. There's some very high-level aggravating people in this industry who pick the flesh off your bones and having a little outside excursion and having some soul food from time to time and being around people who fill you back up, fill your cup back up, it's very important to do. You do because if, you, if you're a dog trainer, you're working with people. Most dog trainers don't like people as much as they like the dogs. So you need to know how to fill your cup. Well, you're dealing with a lot of problems too. Yeah. Like you're, you're constantly getting told about the problems. There is gratitude and there is a lot of, you know, like a lot of fluff and a lot of building of your ego, but there's also – It was interesting. There was a show that Pat and I did a while ago and we both talked about doing Zoom consults. All of a sudden I got a rush of people saying, do you do Zoom consults? And I said, yeah. And they said, why didn't you say so? Like every other episode, you make it sound like you're not interested and you're too busy. And I said, what do you want to talk about? And they said, business, all sorts of stuff. And I've had three consults recently where we talked about life and there were some strong emotions being shared between men, women, everything like we got down and dirty with some, some things that are really upsetting people just in the business and in the dog training world. I do a lot of those. I don't talk about them much because 
I've no qualifications in that space. Uh, I usually am and, pretty clear with people like, hey, I don't exactly. know what I'm doing, yes. but this is your hour. You have bought it. We can talk about anything you want. And then I usually find myself at the end saying, and now you should talk to Bertie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. As a caveat, I must put in that I too express that. Although I'm not a counsellor, I don't pretend to be. There's enough dog trainers in the world who try and trick people into believing they're something they're not. That sounds a little distasteful, but it's very true. There's mm. a lot of people who really cross an ethical threshold and claim themselves out to be this mystical shaman guru type of person and they're everything but that personality type. And, you know, this is also what um, I think what is really important. I think the more you know your own need for awe and wonder and what type of magic you are, the more you are careful and the more you slow and steady, right? Like you just have to find what's your medicine. Not everything will be your medicine out there, but I want to give you a really safe way of having all in one. Okay, way. give it to us. For example, nature is a great way. Also, just letting you know, there are many more positive benefits of all in one. Like, for example, community, it fights loneliness, which is one of the biggest um, predictors for death. Mm-hmm. It kills people under regular loneliness. It also helps with your mental health, like depression, anxiety, stress, cardiovascular disease even. And it makes you feel magical because, for example, when you have a sense of awe, your sense of time expands. Just to name a couple of interesting things, but overall I think it will make you a better human Mm. and I think it will contribute to a better society because it is kind of like it plays, it doesn't fully dissolve your ego, but it expands it so you have an integration of who you are and you become a bit smoother around the edges and internally. So to me... I really advocate with a couple of people at the moment, and these are very well-seasoned researchers, that if we have all in one more in everyday life, people would be having a better life. Mm-hmm. And that's my mission at the moment. I want to f- help people find their own kind of magic in whatever they want to do, if that's in their cooking, if that is with their dogs. And I have a dog um, webinar coming up where I show them how to have all in one with their dog so they can really tap into that and help themselves and their dog. Touch on that. Like obviously that's a thing that you're – going to do give us the wave tops of that well basically i feel that to me dogs are one of the biggest teachers you can have in your life to me my dog luna was my guru for many years like she knew me better and knew my weaknesses better than anyone else so i knew a lot about how to troubleshoot behavior and and you know what she taught me about my shadow side but i didn't know how to fully enjoy her and to me, dogs, they're so cool in bringing you awe and wonder, but you have to learn to do it with your brain and with your emotions. Like you have to really learn to absorb that because a lot of the time you're driven by outcome or we're driven by a certain technique or um, a training exercise. And so I'm going into what dogs in different cultures had a spiritual meaning a lot, like for example, for Odin or for the Egyptians. So I talk a lot about that, but I'm also going to actually give you a protocol, how to have all with your dog. Like I'm going to break it down into steps so you can practice it for five, 10 minutes in your life. And according to research, you should see phenomenal results. Mm -hmm. And that's what the webinar, it's an hour long. And because I love the canine paradigm so much, I want to give you a code and it's if you go on my website, birdieoshidi.com and you go on the Magic of Dogs webinar and you type in the coupon section, spread the love, you will get a 50% discount. Okay, cool. And there's a recording. All one word, spread the love. Spread the love in capitals. Or one word. Yeah, and you can share it with anyone. Like bring as many people as you want. If you can't make it to the webinar, you can reach out to me and we can organize a Zoom session and I teach it you in Zoom. I don't care how many people on your side are sitting there. Like that could be your dog training school, that could be your family, that could be your partner, that could be you and your golden dog. Mm-hmm. But I just think that the dog industry is a troubled industry. 
People are hurting a lot. I see it in my inbox every single day. Yeah. So if you ever go like, oh, I want to work with Birdie, but I can't do it for whatever reason, this is your opportunity because it will be just a one and a half hour fun session. You will walk away with life tools. To me, I will give you what changed my life the most and it will set you on a journey that you can find your path. When are you doing that? It's on April 14th. It's a Sunday evening in Sydney time. Okay, cool. So people want to find out more about that, they can go to your website. Yeah, and if you just want to get to know me, um, first Tuesday evening there's a hangout session. Let's get wild together. You can email me and I'll send you the Zoom link. Is it or go on my newsletter. Is it recorded or is it live? It's recorded. Yep. It's live but it will be recorded. To me that's like a taste tester but if you really want to work at it, just book a Zoom session with me and we can Fantastic. I think the role of dogs, for people listening to this, you know, they're, they're interested in dogs. They're at the minimum an enthusiast of dog training if not a professional and – I think that through time and through multiple dogs, there's been a lot of, I suppose, awe and wonder <laughs> through the experiences with dogs. And what I find with my own is that they usually have just what you need when you need it. You might not realize that it is what you need at the time. There is something non-tangible there totally. that's really difficult to put your hand on or to explain and, and you know like words fail me to try and explain how happy my dog can make me or comforted my dog yeah, can make me. Yeah they witnessed you. Yeah, yeah or the the solace my dog can give me at, at the times when I need it and like Valerie's an incredible example of that right like she vibrates non-stop she's always moving around she never stops until she thinks that you need her and then she's a different dog altogether mm. and that I didn't train that I couldn't wouldn't know how to if I had had to you know like it's just who she is there's a connectedness there but she does that it's not just to me like she does that to random people she's very intuitive like that and you know i'm a real dog trainer You're i'm very not good dog trainer. but i'm not you know sit with the dog's energy and convince it not to be reactive i'm like no fucking train that dog i'm into the real skills of it but i do observe that side as well like there is something there that is more than just what we can perceive, that's for sure. Totally. And I can I can tell you, for example, packs when people come for a week to work with me, you know, they, they go through deep things. Like they have a tailored week program to work with me on my property. They love packs. Like I mainly have dog lovers coming to my house, right? And I tell you, he absorbs their emotions and I have to take really good care with him. Yeah. And he's not a therapy dog, nothing. He's literally just greeting them and saying goodbye. But he's so sensitive. He's such a sponge for other people's emotions that I'm like, you're so sensitive. You just absorb it. Mm. Like even when I come home from a stressful day, he can be sleeping. He comes up and within five minutes he takes my energy and it, whether it's angry or, or frustrated, and he starts having mad zoomies just because he doesn't know what to do with the energy. He doesn't judge it, right? So then I have to go out and work with him and then I feel better because I had fun with him, right? But in the end I think – if we look at dogs as something like, you know, when in the old fairy tale stories, magical people had familiars, like mm -hmm. a witch had a black cat or a, there's a hero with a dog in the story. Mm -hmm. If you start looking at your dog as your familiar, as your magical counterpart, what would happen? Mm. How would you tap into your inner child and have the permission to go like, let's dream a bit, let's be a bit magical? It's very difficult for me not to imagine my life aligning with a dog now. Like I contribute dogs to saving my life, yeah. you know, like keeping me and also sort of like a spack filler for the things that were really chaotic. And at one stage I felt like I was riddled with holes and it was the dogs that filled them. And that was the remarkable side to it. Like going forward now, it's not a crutch, 
it's a relationship that's very important to me to have a dog with me because I feel very liberated and very at ease when I've got dogs around me. There's an emptiness without a dog. Incredibly. And you get that. You you maybe don't have opportunities for it because you're here, but, you know, now and again I'll be away with the family and my dogs will be here. So maybe we fly back in on a Tuesday morning and because we've flown overseas or whatever, I haven't organised to pick the dogs up until a Wednesday and then me and you are going to do a podcast when I come to pick them up. So I've got this like nearly 48-hour kind of 36-hour period at home without a dog. And you notice it, don't you? Oh, yeah, it's, it's an emptiness in the yeah. house. And we've got a loving house. We've got two adults, two kids. There's, but it's there, different. It's yeah. different. It's something that you know it's They're like magical. it's like no it's like losing your car keys in a way not the, not the same but it's like when you know that you haven't got them there this panic sort of sets over you and it's or a, more a feeling of unease mm. and whenever I'm around not around my dogs for a period of time and I know this is why people have such a special relationship when they've got things like PTSD and they need those dogs to reach down and touch like my buddy Q when we were going away doing the red team things he's always got his little springer that he can just reach down and feel her breathe. You know, like when he's feeling uneasy. You. Yeah, he just, he does. He feels like it's it's his lightning rod that he can just yeah. feel her breath and the panic that he has and the feeling that the world is swirling around him and touching that dog just suddenly makes everything okay again and it gives him a, a, a peace. You know, there was a lesson I was doing here the other day and there was a little Boston that I was working with. The dog has nipped and bitten quite a few people. All dog trainers hear this. It's not me trying to make it sound like I'm remarkably different. All good dog trainers experience this. But when I was out there, the dog was just like completely bouncing off me the whole time. And the owner goes, how do you do it, mate? How do you have this relationship with a dog that you've just met? And I said, your dog is getting from me what it needs and it is lacking from you. And I said, my job now is to teach you how to have that, how to emulate what I'm doing with your dog. I said, you're ignoring the things that the dog needs. And I said, it's like children too. I said, children resonate with people who are fun. I'm not a dad. But kids see me as fun sometimes and they'll come over and hang around me and talk to me and do stuff. And Narelle's not a big kid person. She goes, oh, you always bring the kids over and stuff like that. And I said, because I am a kid. Mm. I am a kid. That's who I am. I'm, I'm a big kid and I like joking and I like being silly. I, I enjoy that world. I love the silliness that kids have. We lose touch with that as we get into adulthood. But we're instructed to. We're instructed yes. to be serious yes. and and. and my- and be staunch and stand up and be a you know, man, be a woman. Whatever well, that that's means. I don't really like spending my time with people like that all the time. I like silly people. I like people that love to have fun and a reminder. Pat just says these most outrageous things sometimes, and he's got this silly laugh that he attaches to it, and I love it. That's why I, I enjoy being around him. It, he sometimes he's like the little brother I always wanted to have and never got. And hearing him say these things and tell his stories and then have that big screaming laugh that he has at the end of it. <laughs> he does you know, have an amazing he, laugh. Well, he just knows how to be silly. You know, like he can be very serious, but he also knows how to be silly. And I like being in the company of people that like to do that. Again, circling back to this story about the guy with the dog, many people with dogs, many clients that I've had, they don't know how to do that because they've never been shown how to do that or they've been told don't do it. I think that's a problem for our dogs is they just think, oh, you just, you're not a really fun person. You have nothing to give. Yeah, totally. If you look at, like, my hardest lesson with Luna was I didn't know how to play with her mm. because I was too adult. And I think, you know, this is 
if I had a wish for the dog community is that we allow ourselves to be that inner child with our dog sometimes. And that that's what I want to tell people as well. Like, you know, that awe and wonder comes from a childlike, happy place where someone gives you permission. No, you keep that part alive in you. It's necessary because it's mm. the part that helps you evolve and be healthy. And if we look at all in one and bringing community together, I look at the table right now and I'm like, far out. I love you guys. Like, it's so nice to be back and to talk about these things and to be honest. Yeah. I, I'm glad to be talking to you as well. Yep. I'm, I've got a lot of stuff going through my head that is, I'm happy we're here. You need some food for the soul. Yeah. Hey, so tell us about this webinar because we've got to do the wrap up. I've got people out there ready to train dogs. Give us all the details so, so that people can. Go on birdioshitty.com. The webinar is called The Magic of Dogs. It's on Sunday, April 14th. It might be repeated again, but there's a recording available. So it's evening of Sunday. That'll be tricky. Most of our audience is in America. So can they can they catch a replay of yeah, that? Yeah, there's a replay. Yeah. And if you type in the coupon section, spread the love, capital letters, you get a 50% discount because I love the Kenan paradigm. Yeah, cool. If Thank you, you for doing that for the listeners. No problem. If you can't do that, just book me for one-on-one. Yep. And we do it one-on-one. I'm glad that you're back. I'm glad that you're able to help with the dog community. I've been referring people to you in your absence anyway. <laughs> well, the dog community. Because I don't have anyone else to refer to. Thank you. <laughs> See, but I'm that glad. Laugh. That's a laugh I'm talking about. <laughs> but That's I'm glad you. that now you'll actually be able to answer the phone. Not that I give anyone your phone number. I mean, like, send Please them to don't. your... Please <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing it. There's a lot of value in it. I'm oh, glad yeah. that you It's so here. nice being back. All right, anything else to say before you go? I wish you all magical, beautiful lives and you're in charge of it, so do it. That's it. Yeah, good close. And this is all a video game. It so is. <laughs> That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, go into the settings of your player's menu there and leave a comment. What do we do? We leave like, share, review, all of that. All on of it. All of it on whatever yeah, platform you download from. Just get on any directory and go nuts. Yeah, just write it down anywhere. If there's a piece of paper in front of you, just write us a review. We'll get it yep. somehow. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is Patreon. You can jump into there. A couple of bucks a month gets you this giant backlog of information as new as well as new stuff going forward. I go live in there once a month, answer your questions. Anything else you want in there, just let me know. I'll do it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. If you want to get in contact with us, best way to do that is to jump into the Facebook discussion group. It's called the Canine Paradigm Discussion Group. There's a lot of good conversations happening in there, and I'm always really proud of the way that people interact with each other in there. Or if you want to send me and Glenn an email, you can shoot us an email. We are info at the Love you all. Goodbye.